excerpt from an NBC News broadcast, May 22, 2022, courtesy NBC Universal Media. Crypto obviously right now getting crushed. Investors getting jolted by volatility rippling through the crypto world. Tonight, a massive sell-off of cryptocurrency, erasing more than $200 billion from the entire market in a single day. Bitcoin is down more than 50% from the high. One minute it looks like the market's going to rip, the next minute it looks like the market's going to dip, and I don't know what in the world's going on, so I'm out no mas. The price of Bitcoin plunging to its lowest level in 16 months. The second largest digital currency, Ether, tanking below $2,000 a coin, down more than $1,000 from a month ago. The numbers sending some investors spiraling, fearing they could lose it all. In total, it seems crazy to say, but I'm down around $35,000. I actually lost over half my portfolio. I've lost many, many big amounts of money. <laughs> One of the hardest hit coins, Luna, erasing 99% of its value, now worth nearly nothing. I lost 1.6 million on Luna, and then I put in another 200k and I lost you? that as well. I mean, this is the definition of a black swan event. This is the Lehman Brothers collapse of crypto. What is happening right now? A lot of people are in a world of hurt right now, and they're getting a rude awakening of what it's like to be in the crypto markets again. Crypto is a roller coaster, so you gotta buckle up and enjoy the ride. True crime. Sex. Political conspiracy. Celebrity gossip. Murder. UFOs. Crooked officials. The occult. Assassination. Courtroom drama. Rape. Corporate scams. Scandal sheets. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Scandal Sheet. And today, we hope to demystify and illuminate the controversial digital currency known as cryptocurrency. Is it completely legit? Is it a scandal? Or is it something in between? We're going to provide this illumination with the help of a bona fide expert in this field, whom we will introduce in just a moment. My name is Thad Helsley, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host and commercial airline pilot from the great state of Alaska, Ellie. Hello, Thad. Thanks so much for offering to do this podcast and utilize your crypto resources and the people who you know in, in the crypto industry, because I am a bad millennial and I don't know anything about crypto or blockchain. To me, it is all one scandal. And I am really excited to learn something, any just one thing. If I just learn one thing about crypto, I'll be happy. Okay, so I, I take it then you do not own any cryptocurrency. I don't, no. And, you know, even just in researching crypto for this podcast, I think I've messed up all my Google al algorithms now with all these scandals because the only things that come up when I Google something are the scandals associated with it. And <laughs> just seeing all of the scandals <laughs> associated, right? Like three arrows capital just vaporized like a trillion dollars, right? And then you've got all these other Ponzi schemes and stuff that are, you know, online. And some of these scandals, I mean, they go back like a decade. And then not even to mention that you've got like, the Silk Road dark web aspect of blockchain and just getting deep into the weeds about that. I was very skeptical. And then to say that there's a charitable aspect of blockchain really threw me off. So I do not own crypto and I'm very skeptical. But but how, how could this be, though? 
you, you say you're a bad millennial, but you know, old Gen Xers like me just assume everybody in your generation sort of intrinsically knows about Instagram and Snapchat and self-driving cars and cryptocurrency and the metaverse and blah blah blah. So why why do you think it is that you're? I mean, and you fly airplanes for a living. That's a pretty techno type field. You know, it's not like being a carpenter. So how come how come you're not more technology forward? You know, I I I feel like I'm very technology forward with most other technologies. It's funny you mentioned that with the airplanes. Quick side note. I mean, people get really excited about like the high tech airplanes, but then they forget that like the Boeing 737, which is like one of the most common passenger jets out there. I mean, it was made in like it was designed and manufactured back in the 60s. So still pretty old technology. But I, you know, I think crypto is just one of those things I've never gotten into. When I walk by the cockpit, you know, I see a lot of buttons. <laughs> it looks complicated right. to me. But you're saying it's all it it's is, all old, old, old technology. Right. So if you look at like 1960s technology, because that's what was certified by the FAA, I mean, that's pretty old. But then cryptocurrency is something that's only happened within the last two decades. So maybe I just haven't done a good job of keeping up with all of this. And, you know, I think part of it is I've just always been so set on getting my financial feet under me, you know, as being a standard millennial with student loans and just generally trying to save for retirement and stuff. So, so I think I've been skeptical of crypto because I don't have, I, I've never had a ton of extra money to throw around. And then I read about all these scams and I don't want to lose it. And no episode would be complete without our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. Thank you. I'll be listening closely to this episode. Up to now. You've been paying me in cryptocurrency. That may not have been such a great idea. Bernice, don't be such a skeptic. You're going to be rich someday. I better be. So, Ellie and Bernice, let's get right to it. We are very pleased to welcome our cutting-edge technology expert, Ezra Vasquez D'Amico, to the pod. Ezra helped develop and is the manager of Give Safely, a program of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. GiveSafely.io is a blockchain-based platform that offers a new way to help trusted charities connect with donors in a fun and safe way. Ezra has over 10 years of nonprofit experience working on education, environment, and indigenous people's affairs in Washington, D.C., Ecuador, and Bolivia, as well as a stint as a program officer with Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors in New York City. Ezra studied music and ethnicity, race and migration at Yale, and received his master's degree in public policy from Princeton. At the BBB Wise Giving Alliance, Ezra works directly with charities to improve their governance, financial effectiveness reporting, and fundraising practices. So, welcome Ezra! Uh, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, great to be here. And that I'm glad the sharks didn't get you a few episodes back. <laughs> Just one leg. Yeah, it's a very good peg leg now. So Ezra, I am super impressed by your resume. And I know we're going to drill into blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies in just a minute. But first, I have to ask, how did you get from your impressive Yale and Princeton degrees to running a blockchain program? Because most people I know in this field are either 
Wall Street hedge fund people or folks in computer science, but you don't fit either of those profiles, do you? Yeah, that's right, Ellie. I do not own a Lamborghini. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I think it all goes back to growing up. Uh, my mom is a cultural anthropologist, so we moved to Ecuador when I was eight years old. And, and I grew up there you know, until I was about 16. And while I was there, I saw a lot of changes happening in the country. You know, the indigenous people were rising up, demanding their rights to be respected and kind of their values to be built into the you know, Ecuadorian constitution, to, you know, to make the country better you know, for them as well. So that inspired me to work in international development for a number of years. International development historically has been a very top-down field where, you know, things get decided in places like Washington and then kind of sent out to the countries to, you know, help people. That's It's worked to some extent, not worked to other extents. Um, but during one of my projects in Bolivia, I worked to connect uh, young Bolivian leaders with young leaders from Native American communities in the U.S. and Maori communities from New Zealand. And that was really powerful for me to see people connecting directly with each other and learning from each other, again, instead of some centralized program, you know, designed in a place like Washington, D.C. So, so that kind of people to people connection uh, really stayed with me. You know, that's one of the tenets of, of blockchain and this whole space is, you know, taking out the middlemen, taking out the centralized entities and allowing people to connect with each other directly. I guess along those lines, this work fits uh, with, you know, my path in that way. So, Ezra, people who are otherwise fairly technology forward often have trouble understanding what cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is, myself included. Can you give our listeners a quick primer and, and, and let us know what the benefits are? And also, just please assume that most of our listeners are also probably newbies. Yeah, and Thad, you're definitely not alone there. Uh, I find that whenever I say the words blockchain or cryptocurrency, I see people's eyes glaze over and they don't understand <laughs> or hear anything I say afterwards. Right. So, so maybe I'll try to explain it to you in a different way. Um, okay. Think of this whole space as the Internet of Value, right? So when the Internet first arrived, depending on your age, you know, you uh, dialed in with those AOL CDs that would come in the mail. Uh, you know, you'd wait a few minutes to get online and then you'd download an article or a picture. And again, that would take another five minutes. But you could read. I remember. Or, yeah, you remember that, right? You could read or see what's online. So it was kind of a one-way street, like picking up a newspaper, but it was on your computer. So that was what we call Web 1, where you could read. Then Web 2 arrived, and that's kind of where we are now where you can read and write, so you can interact online. And that started with blog posts, right? So people could write their blog post, publish it, and then the comments section, you know, people could comment on it, get into fights, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's evolved into where we are now with you know, all these social media platforms that, that are ubiquitous, you know, the TikToks of the world, the Facebook, Reddit, all, all of these platforms where people are interacting, you know, uploading their own content, commenting, you know, having conversations online. Uh, so, so that's Web 2, where people can read and write. Um, so Web 3, again, the Internet of Value, was enabled by blockchain, where people can own. So read, write, and own. Uh, and think of it this way. When you buy a car or a house, you have to go register that, that property with your local government. And you know the local government keeps it in their records. And then when you choose to sell it, you go down to the government office and that deed gets transferred you know, from one uh, person to another. 
Well, what blockchain did was it allowed that transfer of value to be online. How does it do this? Well, one, it's public, so all of the transactions can be seen. Two, it's verified by all of the computers on the network all the time, so it really can't be changed after the fact. And three, you don't have to go through, again, the centralized system. You can transact directly with other people on the network. Um, so there are you know, banks or you know, local governments uh, that you have to do these transactions with. So what is the difference then between blockchain technology generally and then cryptocurrency in particular? Because for me, I read all these articles about scandals, right? In the keeping in line with the name of this podcast. And so I see certain scandals about blockchain and certain scandals about cryptocurrency. Are they the same thing or are there other differences that we should understand? Uh, a lot of people say that crypto is the kind of killer application of blockchain. So blockchain was first started in 2009 by the person or persons known as Satoshi Nakamoto. And this is a pseudonym that, again, was used by this person or this group of people that first invented it. And the application that they used it for was, again, you know, Bitcoin, so that people could send value in the form of kind of digital tokens from one person to another person. That technology took off, and now there are thousands of, of cryptocurrencies out there, uh, again, to varying degrees of value. And some of them do have a use case and a value to them. Many of them are, in fact, scams, Ponzi schemes, people trying to get rich quick. So if on the blockchain, everybody can see everything, how is it that things just disappear? Like, it seems like it would be scandal free if everything happens in this glass case, but it, then things just disappear. You read about trillions of dollars being vaporized. You hear about people forgetting their passwords and losing all of their retirement. I mean, so how do scandals like these happen on the blockchain where everybody can see everything? Uh, one of the benefits of blockchain and uh, you know these cryptocurrencies and one of the challenges is is that settlement is final. So right now when you go to the store and you buy something with your credit card, it's kind of like you're making a promise to the store of paying them. They verify that your credit card is you know active, you know it pings your account, but it takes many many days for the money to go from your bank account, you know, to the credit card and to be paid to the vendor. Uh, what blockchain did was it allows these transfers of value to be immediate. So if you send Thad uh, a Bitcoin or part of a Bitcoin, it gets sent and it arrives there, you know, within around 10 minutes. So one of the benefits is that the settlement, final settlement is very quick. Uh, for example, if you have to send someone money in a different country and you do it through your bank account, you know, you set up a wire transfer and it takes, you know, three days for your bank to figure out what's going on, three days for the receiving bank to figure out what's going on, and they charge you $30, right? Well, with uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, you can send it and it gets there in a matter of minutes. Uh, the downside is that there's no intermediary to, to, there's no intermediary to keep you safe. So once it's sent, it's gone. There's no way to call your credit card company and be like, hey, you know, there's this fraudulent transaction. I want to dispute it and get the money put back into your account. So if you fall for a scam and you send your money or for some reason your password gets compromised, you know, people can drain your wallets and there's no recourse. You're kind of out of luck there. 
And so because it's on the blockchain and everybody can see that, then everybody can also see that you got scammed. Exactly. And Oh, that's embarrassing. Yep. Well, they can see the the wallet address. You know, your name is not linked to it unless, you know, you put on, post on your website, hey, here's my wallet address, you know, send me money. Then people know that it's associated with you and they can kind of follow every transaction that you have. But, you know, you can be pseudonymous, you know, just known by your wallet address and, and you know, people won't know what's happening with, with, your, with your transactions. So I know that everyone has heard of Bitcoin, but there's more like a dozen other cryptocurrencies out there. And is it like the cereal aisle at the grocery store where there are 40 products to choose from? I mean, is it merely a matter of taste? You know, I know like some people prefer Cheerios over Wheaties or Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes have the taste adults have grown to love. They're great. Ezra, you actually said there were thousands, right? So our information is a little outdated. Yeah, and there's a lot of defunct ones. Maybe we could say hundreds that are still somewhat active. Um, okay. And I would say the serial an- analogy is good, but also remember to have a serial listed or sold in a grocery store, you know, it has to pass some sort of FDA regulation. There's none of that around cryptocurrencies right now. You know, there are a lot of these cryptocurrencies out there were built and designed to be scams. Bitcoin was the first one. It's been around 13 years. It's a rule-based you know, blockchain system. It's faced challenges on all fronts you know, and maintained its integrity over the past 13 years. But a lot of these, you might think of them more as ventures. Bitcoin emerged right after the financial crisis and was in response to it, saying, look, the government's you know, bailing out all these banks, you know, what about the little guy? How can we get away from that system? Well, let me ask you this. So I, I've got that question there, which I think you've pretty much already addressed about the, uh, I mean, you've been talking about scams and stuff like that. How do you tell the difference? I mean, maybe you can tell, could I tell the difference between what is a scam and what isn't? I mean, like we're saying, some, a brand like Bitcoin is fairly well respected, but if there are hundreds of others, how do I know which one's legit? And that's a tough question. Like even myself, I, I couldn't tell you <laughs> beyond not wanting to give financial advice. <laughs> it, it's really hard to say. Again, a lot of these are very new and they don't have the, the trajectory that, say, Bitcoin does or Ethereum does. One of, one of the appeals, I think, for people is that it's a possibility for you to make a lot of money fast, right? Right. You know, you can make outsized gains, but you can also make outsized losses. So, so the way I think about it, you know, there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, and everything else is kind of venture. More risky, in other words. Yeah. So, so when people invest venture capital, when wealthy people do this or firms do this, they say, okay, we're going to invest in these hundred projects and we hope that, you know, five of them do well. So one might think about these cryptocurrencies the same way. It's hard to tell, you know, what's going to happen with them. A lot of them might go to zero. I think, you know, people should definitely act accordingly. Are there like community watchdog groups, volunteer groups on Reddit or things like that where people are sharing information about what they've experienced? Yeah, there's definitely like that on the positive side. There's definitely that on the negative side too. Fake information. Yeah, let's say you start, you know, Thadcoin 
and you get a group of people to uh, kind of hype it up, right? And say, oh, Thadcoin's the next big thing. You know, it's going to go to a million dollars. Everybody, let's get on board. You know, you hire a bunch of people or bots to start DMing people like me and Ellie and saying, hey, you know, have you heard of the new Thadcoin? I can walk you through the process and, and get you going. There's a lot of that kind of scam out there. So I would say definitely beware of people who are offering you assistance and advice. You know, never share your passwords, your passphrase, you know, your wallet with folk. Definitely beware. Yes, and definitely beware of anything labeled as fad coin. So, <laughs> <laughs> or or Ellie coin because I definitely don't have one either. So I think one of the things I think is just interesting about this, and if we want to stay with like a serial analogy, and I know sometimes with like new technologies or different fields, experts get really tired of trying to like compare it to something different because they're like well it's not that right but like i i just feel like it's maybe like walking into a grocery store if you want to buy cereal with like i don't know 30 different types of currency and just hoping that the grocery store accepts one of them i mean is i don't know is that right like like why is there not just one like why was bitcoin not good enough why did everybody else have to start creating their own yeah and the bitcoin people would uh definitely agree with you (laughs) what are called the bitcoin maxis who are maximalists and say hey this is perfect why do we need everything else and in some ways it really is it's rule-based it's not influenced by people in any way shape or form right now there's a cap on the number of bitcoins that will be distributed on how the system works you know how it's secured and whatnot And there's a lot of transparency around that. These other coins, there isn't. That said, you know, as new technologies arrive, people want to iterate. People want to try new things. There are different use cases that merit different approaches. So I do think long term we will be living in a world with multiple blockchains, uh, multiple cryptocurrencies. But I, I would agree that Bitcoin has been tried and tested and stood the test of time better than any other. And so let's just say a college educated person with a 401k and maybe a stock portfolio on the side wanted to tip their toe into this marketplace. How do you recommend they get started? I would say be careful and start (laughs) slow and start small. Uh, Um, See, when you say things like that, I'm like, all right. It's scary. I know. know. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the same thing, you know, if you wanted to get into foreign exchange or investing in wheat and grain or silver and gold, you wouldn't put half of your net worth into it right away, right? You'd read some books about it. You'd figure out how the market works and, you know, maybe start small. So, So same thing with cryptocurrency. It's easy to get into, but it's also easy to lose, you know, all your money. Right. So what I would recommend is start small, start maybe even with like $10 and buy some Bitcoin. See what that feels like. Start with $5, buy some Ethereum, see what that looks like. In terms of investments, uh, I can't give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. But what a lot of people say is Bitcoin and Ethereum are probably the most kind of sure bets right now. There's a lot of volatility. They go up and down, up and down. But over the long term, people expect them to be worth much, much more than they are today. And then if you hear about some fun new coin that you want to give it a try, sure, do that. But again, manage your risk. Say, okay, it's like going to a casino. 
I'm going to give myself a budget of $50 or $100 to play over the weekend. And whether I'm up or down at the end, I'll still feel good because, you know, I got to play. So same thing. You, you could say I'm going to give myself X amount of money and I'm going to try some of these cryptocurrencies that seem fun or interesting and we'll see how things go. Definitely don't bet your house on it. Well, that is kind of a scary analogy because like, you know, sometimes people call the stock market gambling. But if I buy Google stock or Facebook, it's not the same as going to the roulette table, you know, and just putting it on red nine. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've got a better chance to hold on to my money than than in the casino. You know, those stocks are publicly traded. Right. And to be right. listed on the stock exchange, they have to go through a whole series of kind of disclosures Correct. Correct. about you know yeah. how their business works. You know right. they have to report right. financials every quarter. They have to have a board in place. You know all of these kind of regulations are there to protect consumers, right? right. Uh, and because of that, maybe the gains aren't going to be as big as you know going and gambling. Well, that's true. I mean, you look at the projections. You 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 know one, three, five years, and you're like, okay. You know, I'm going to make a little money, but you're not going to get rich overnight like some people have with crypto, right? Right. But, you know, you say some people have. I think a lot of people have ended up worse off by investing in some of these, you know, scam projects or currencies that might not last the test of time. The other thing is there are a lot of professional traders out there that this is their job. They follow the markets, they follow, follow the charts, and they make money when a crypto goes up and they make money when a crypto goes down. Right. You know, if you're doing it on the side and you think you're going to make a lot of money trading in and out of one of these coins, I would say beware because there are professionals who are doing this and it's likely that you might trade yourself down to not having any funds. So what a lot of people recommend, especially for new folk, is to identify a couple cryptocurrencies that you believe in, that you've done a little research on, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe something else, and then dollar cost averaging in. So every week, you know, I'm going to put $5 into Bitcoin. Every two weeks, I'm going to put $10 into Ethereum or something like that. And then over time, you know, you're going to catch all the dips where it's cheap to buy, and you'll also ride it up as it increases in value. Okay, so we're since we're on that subject, so this uh, just this past summer, I think it was June, the whole crypto marketplace sort of had a kind of a mini crash after just hitting an all-time high in um, the fall of last year. And of course, there's COVID and, and supply chain and inflation and war and blah, 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 blah. But that scared a lot of people, right? There was a tons of articles and things like that because it seemed like there was no no end to how high it was going. So Given that context, how should we regard crypto's drop in value? I mean, is it is it gloom and doom or is it just a dip? Yeah, that in the fall, I think the value of all cryptocurrencies reached around three trillion dollars, and right now right. it's probably hovering around one trillion dollar. Uh, and you know, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. Uh, so, so that's that's a big dip. That's a big dip. <laughs> Two thirds of your value. Yikes. Yep. But if you look at kind of technology stocks in, in the past year, Netflix, Facebook, all of these are down a lot, too. And I think a lot of that has to do with the larger macroeconomic picture around okay. inflation and what the right, Fed's right. doing in terms of raising interest rates and all that. A lot of people believe that long term, this Web3 and cryptocurrency space is here to stay. 
for example, last year, venture capital investment in the space was over $33 billion. Facebook rebranded itself from Facebook to Meta, again, making a, a metaverse play and spent $10 billion on, on that venture. Um, Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard, which is a gaming company, to support their metaverse and web three efforts. And I think they spent, you know, almost $70 million on that purchase. So, you know, the big guys, they're investing in it. They believe it's going to go long-term. And, and a lot of people believe that cryptocurrencies that have, again, stood this test of time, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're going to be around as well. So Ezra, let's talk about the platform you created, givesafely.io. Do you want to explain that for us and how has it been going? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and thanks for asking. Just as I was saying before, all of these for-profit companies are investing in, in the space because they see it as the kind of next evolution of, of technology and you know that blockchain will be ubiquitous in the future. Well, nonprofits and charities, they don't have kind of venture office, innovation office, many of them don't, where you know they can try 10 projects and eight of them fail and they still feel okay about it. Because of our relationship with charities, you know, doing the valuation work that we do at bbbgive.org, we already have relationships with them and relationships of trust. We also see that this technology is going to be ubiquitous moving forward. And we figure, hey, we need to get charities in this space uh, so that they can help shape it for good. March 2020, NBC News poll found that overall 21% of Americans reported having traded or used crypto. The same poll found that half of men between the ages of 18 and 49 said that they have dabbled in crypto. At the same time, only 90% of those who were polled said they view crypto positively and 25% indicated that they view it in a negative light. So, so people are starting to use it and especially younger people. Charities right now face a dilemma where the number of people who are donating to them are going down and the people who are donating to them are giving more. And this tends to track toward older folk are giving to charities and younger folk, you know, not so much. So what we tell charities is you need to find donors where they are. And if younger people are using these technologies and going to be in this space in the future, you need to have a presence there as well. Uh, so what we do with Give Safely is, you know, we have a number of education programs for charities, for donors. You know, we offer tips on how to give wisely and whatnot. But then we also have a platform where we list charities who are trustworthy because they meet the 20 BBB standards for charity accountability. So we evaluate them on their finances, on how they self-evaluate on their fundraising practices and on their governance practices. And if they meet all 20 of our standards, they're eligible to be listed on GiveSafely. Uh, and what a donor can do on GiveSafely is donate either cash or cryptocurrency via PayPal or via Bitcoin and Ethereum and give to these charities. When a donor gives to these charities, they receive what we call giving points for sharing their personal information. All the personal information goes up on the blockchain. One of the things that's different about GiveSafely is that there's no centralized server. So when you make a donation, the money goes directly from you to the charity. 
Whereas with most donation platforms, you know, the money and your data goes to a central server where the donation platform mines your data and keeps a transaction fee and then passes on what's left over to the charity. With GiveSafely, right. all of it happens directly. You know, we don't see any of your data. It gets transferred, again, in an encrypted way on the blockchain directly from you to the charity. And then once you have these giving points for sharing your data, you can use them for charity experiences where you can have a conversation with a charity professional about, you know, what it's like to work saving animals or what it's like to work with people on health issues. So, so Give Safely works very hard to sort of accredit certain charities and make them eligible for receiving crypto on this platform. What is to stop another off-brand of like Give Safely from just randomly posting like air quote charities, you know, like a list that they claim is accredited? Because when I hear of most crypto stuff, I assume scam and scandal. And then also when I hear it tied with the word charity, like I especially think scandal and scam. So how can you also make sure like, are there other platforms like give safely but they're they're not real you know they're like the phishing email or something that you're gonna get i mean how obviously we know that give safely is like a good platform that's the right word i'm learning however like are obviously there are people who really get stuck caught up and stuck in this and end up giving all their money to some random person in mongolia right yeah and it's a great question because there certainly are a lot of scams out there you know when the war in ukraine started people started donating cryptocurrency because they knew it could get there quickly without having to go through the banking system and help the government of ukraine quickly help nonprofits and charities working on, on these issues quickly of course scammers saw this happen and some of them actually started buying Facebook ads and listing kind of wallet addresses saying, hey, you know, give to support the troops in Ukraine or give to support this charity work in, in Ukraine. And people fell for it. They would see the wallet address that say, oh, I believe in this. They would copy paste the wallet address and send crypto. Again, crypto, once it's sent, it's gone. There's no take backs, as could be done with with a credit card. So what we would recommend is definitely slow down. You know, if, if you see... What we would say is slow down. If you see an appeal to give cryptocurrency, definitely look to see where it's coming from. If it's just a wallet address listed, I would caution you against doing that. Definitely go to the charity's website and give the, uh, the wallets that are listed on their, their website. Or go to a site like GiveSafely where you know all the wallet addresses are, are verified. And two, you know, always check out the charity. Luckily, you know, on GiveSafely, we do that for you. All, all the charities listed are trustworthy, but there's another charity out there. Go to their website and see that they're actually working on the programs that they say they're working about. Yeah, and I should just, just add that your larger organization that you work for, Ezra, Better Business Bureau, Wise Giving Alliance, those standards to be accredited by your parent organization – it's pretty tough. I mean, you mentioned those 20 standards, which I am familiar because I've done a video about them. Uh, it's, it's a pretty tough. You don't get through that easily. So, you know, if you're accredited, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And overall, I think donors want to give. They want to support causes they care about, but they want to do it safely. So if you translate that to the crypto space with all the scams and scandals out there, 
we want to provide donors a place where they can go and they can, one, know that charities are trustworthy, and two, know that the cryptocurrency transactions that they're going to be able to make on there are also trustworthy, that they're going to go to the places they intend to, that their data is being secured and whatnot. So, Ellie, you're Ezra's target customer. You're a millennial and you're supposed to be using these forward-looking technologies, but you expressed a lot of skepticism. And he was also telling us that fewer people are giving and the people who are giving are older. So <laughs> has, has he convinced you? Well, one, I'm a bad millennial. So let's just... <laughs> Bad millennial, bad. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten like my one star. I'm I'm like, I'm very, very close to losing my millennial card. (laughs) Two, I think a lot of older people are giving more to charity because they have more money to give and it's a good tax write off. And, you know, the older you get towards the end of your life, the more you kind of maybe start to realize you don't need all your money and you want to make a better difference in the world. And so might as well get rid of this. I I feel like I don't want to get rid of all my money right now. I mean, hopefully I have a few more years to live, but you're right. I think I feel like a target customer for this. So I feel like somebody should be DMing me some wallet address and encouragement to give crypto and share my password. But I am very hesitant. I'm very skeptical. And I don't know, this definitely encourages me to look into it, if anything. Like, I'm definitely thinking now, like, okay, I'll probably go just dabble in it just a little bit and take some of that fun money, right? Not like my whole 401k and just maybe stick it in there. It's like, you know, when you go to the movies and you pay $20 to go to the movies, you don't expect to get that $20 back. So I think I'm going to treat it like that. I'm just like going to the movies, except going to crypto. Well, how's Give give Safely going? I mean, are you bullish on it? Is it working? I mean, when you and your boss sit down and look at it, are you like, okay, this thing is, this thing is going to rock and roll, man. Three years from now, this is the future of giving. Is that what you're saying? Or are you, is it everybody still kind of holding their breath? Yeah, so we're definitely bullish on the space. We have charities reaching out to us all the time about GiveSafely. They're asking us for advice around crypto, whether they should get into it, how they might enter it. And then we believe, again, out with all the scams and scandals out there that donors need education around it. Our organization traditionally has served charities and donors, non-digital space. So now we're doing that in, in this space, and we believe that it's going to move forward. We did a poll of, I think it was around 2,000 people here, here in the U.S. Oh, wow. Last December. And of those who owned cryptocurrency, 75% said that they would consider giving crypto, use crypto as a donation method. And the stats seem to bear out. There's an organization called The Giving Block, which does the crypto processing for a lot of the charities out there in the space. Right so that the charity doesn't have to worry about turning the Bitcoin into cash and getting it to their bank account. They reported that in 2020, they processed around $4 million in donations. In 2021, they processed just under $70 million in donations for charities. And this year, they're on track to processing around $200 million in donations. So it seems that the space really is growing. And there's a lot of benefits to, to giving crypto. So let's say... I'd invested in Thadcoin and I'd bought, you know, 100 <laughs> coins for a dollar and now it's worth $10 million. Well, 
that's a lot of taxes that I would have to pay if I turned it into cash, right? The capital gains. But if I donate it directly to a charity, I can write off all of that as a donation and not pay the capital gains on it. So, so there's definite benefits to cryptocurrency investors to make the donation in the form of cryptocurrency versus first turning it into cash, paying taxes on it, and, and then you know making the donation. So Ezra, with your prognosticator hat on, what is the future of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, even just outside of charitable giving? What is the world probably going to look like in three to five years when I go to buy a Starbucks coffee or a car or even a house? Can I do it with crypto? Are dollars and euros going to be gone? What What's the financial world going to look like with that? So it's hard to say, but my guess would be that both exist next to each other. So you're still going to be able to use dollars. It you know, may be more... Uh, Maybe easier for you to use dollars on some things. It may be easier for you to use cryptocurrency on other things. Um, I believe that Bitcoin, uh, especially, will cement its place as a store of value, um, where you know a lot of people buy a house and say, okay, you know, this is where I'm going to put my net worth. It's going to appreciate, and you know, I'll, I'll have it as a place to live, but also kind of as an investment. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially millennials, might not have kind of the down payment for a house. Uh, so people are going to start putting more and, of, more and more of their kind of investments into uh, places like Bitcoin that have a rules-based system, you know, a limited supply and, you know, the, the security. Um, so, so I would guess that uh, Bitcoin uh, kind of continues its path forward in, in, in that way. So just to close things out, Ezra, I know you have to run. You, you probably addressed some of this before, but is, is there any way for, I know we talked about individual scams and, and schemes and what have you, but can speculators, like you were saying, the professional investors, are they able, and I'm, and I'm thinking about how the original stock market crash of 1929, where they ran up the market. And then back in 2008, you had all these people who ran up the market in real estate, creating these artificial bubbles of value that wasn't actually there. Is it possible to do that in this space? Or is there some kind of escape hatch? Well, definitely. And one might argue that that kind of happened in 2017, uh, you know, 2018, where there was the ICO boom, where everybody and their brother were starting new coins and getting, you know, investment to start the coin and then hyping it up and, you know, watching it go, quote unquote, to the moon. Uh, And then it all kind of came down and crashed. Okay, so it has already happened. But People are wiser, sort of like the internet stocks in the early 2000s, too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say we're wiser, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> and it definitely you know, could happen again. What I would say that a lot of people do use the kind of internet analogy from the early 2000s, where this new technology appeared, and everybody thought, oh my God, it's going to take over. And there were projects like Pets.com that were maybe ahead right. of their time and went bust, right? Yeah. At the same time, yeah. there were also stocks that really kind of moved forward well. For example, Amazon, right? It started right. as an online bookstore, and now it controls everybody's lives. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have Lord of the Rings, so, you know. <laughs> right. So, so you might think about it in the same way where, okay, right now, 
this kind of Web3 technology space is here. The technology is here, but it's still early. You know, there's things that will likely go long term, like Bitcoin, you know, potentially Ethereum, but we're not exactly sure what it will look like in the future. So there will be kind of booms and busts on the way, but who knows what it'll look like in the future. You know, a lot lot of people are betting that the metaverse is going to be a big thing where we can all have our identities online, you know, I can have, you know, I like this kind of music, so I'll have a whole avatar built around that kind of music and, you know, relate with people all around the world about that kind of music. If I love investing in crypto, I can have a whole community built around that. If I have a professional interest or a cause I care about, I can have a whole identity built around that and be relating to people online around that too. So, you know, we may end up in a ready player one type world. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Ezra, thank you so much for coming on the pod and for sharing the platform, the Give Safely platform with us. And even though it sounds like a scandal, it is not a scandal. And I learned a lot just about crypto in general. And this has definitely inspired me to at least dabble in it. And thanks so much for your insights. We really appreciate it. So we're closing the ledger sheet on this episode, folks. I want to thank our amazing guest, Ezra Vasquez D'Amico from the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. Links to their giving platform, Give Safely, that leverages blockchain technology are included in the liner notes. Please take advantage of this powerful platform. And for orgs and individuals that wish to contact Ezra directly, we've included a link to his email. There's also a link to his recent article on crypto philanthropy on the give.org site. Check it out. And of course, kudos to my co-host Ellie and our artificial intelligence engine, Bernice. You better not be paying me in that coin, Mr. Halkley. Bernice, don't be so paranoid. We hope that you'll follow or subscribe to Scandal Sheet on your favorite pod platforms and share it with all your friends. We'd also love it if you'd leave a shameless over-the-top rave review on Apple Podcasts especially. That helps us build audience. And also, we want to hear from you! You can reach us online at scandalsheetpod.com, Facebook or Twitter, or just send us an email to contact at scandalsheetpod.com. We'll see you next time on Scandal Sheets! Copyright 2022. Thad Helsley Media, LLC. All rights reserved.